The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk, where we live and breathe technology, which is absolutely the way to be, I must tell you. But yeah, the future is coming at us like a freight train. And here's some interesting news. ADSL is going to be shut down across South Africa from 1 September if your area is fiber-ready or fiber-connected. And that is a huge thing. ADSL, as a technology, has dominated Internet access for close on 20 years. Started round about 1990 with... It was remarkable. We went from those funny little noisy modems that took cups of coffee to send an email um, to this remarkable technology called, called ADSL. And it rose and rose and rose through the years to a peak of a, in around about 2011, 2012, and slowly but surely has been going away. But what this really means in simple terms is that you need, if you're an ADSL subscriber, and a lot of people have found that 4 or 10 meg ADSL is good enough for a bit of browsing, a bit of email. It's sort of on your telephone bill, so you've just got comfy with it and forgot to change or didn't want to change. But the vast majority of urban areas, there is, Telcom have released a full list of, of areas um, where they've done fiber or where fiber is available. And most of the urban areas in Cape Town, Johannesburg, Port Elizabeth, East London, you name it, all the urban areas are pretty much covered with fiber today. And those areas that are going to decommission and disconnect the ADSL um, option completely. And simply put, you're going to have to sign up for fiber. But interestingly and truly, fiber right now is cheaper than ADSL for decent speeds. There are some deals I've seen that keep it very, very, very low cost, but essentially fiber is extremely, extremely um, cost effective across all sorts of things. I didn't get that. And, Could you try again? And my phone is listening to me. Oh, my watch actually. <laughs> Technology doesn't go away. But it is certainly much more suitable for streaming for everything. It's much more reliable and also the ADSL technology, the ADSL infrastructure, and in fact, the entire copper infrastructure that Telcom has is on its way out. So if you're not on fiber right now, it's time to switch to fiber. And on that note, we're going to switch to our sponsors. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now back to quick update on the ADSL. There are other options. Fiber is not the only option, and some of the fiber products are quite expensive, starting at the five, six hundred rand range, which perhaps something you don't want to get involved in. The other option is LTE. Now, tel uh, Telcom offer LTE products, but MTN through Supersonic offer really good priced LTE products, starting at about two forty nine a month. The benefit of LTE is that the coverage today is pretty good. The speeds are really quite high, not quite as stable or as fast as um, as fiber, but they're more than adequate as a replacement for ADSL. In fact, you'll probably be astonished how much better LTE, fixed LTE, and, and any LTE is than, um, than ADSL. So those are the options, and 
little bit of warning. You've been given the rest of July and August to do it because on 1 September, it will just simply stop working. They'll probably stop billing you for who knows with telecom. But the simple fact is you want to stay connected. You have to move to fiber or alternatively LTE. You can use your phone for it, but that starts becoming a little messy. I believe a simple fixed LTE product from Vodacom, MTN, via Supersonic, all the, the major ISPs offer it. Rain is another option. So there are lots of ways of getting it going, and uh, it's time to get it going, I'm afraid. Now, a quick update on something I mentioned last week. Uh, Showmax Pro has launched. It launched last week in two countries, and this week, Showmax have announced it's launching in 40 new countries. Unfortunately, not South Africa yet. They have promised it will come to South Africa. But what is interesting now, we've got the pricing of it. And they've offered two different products, which is actually super clever. They've got the Showmax Pro Mobile, which is a mobile-only product for around about 150 Rand a month, depending. It's $8.99 in Africa, but in South Africa probably will be around 150 to 190 Rand, depending on what's going on. And Showmax Pro, which is the full version, which gives you mobile and um, on your computer or on your TV, for around about 299 a month. And those are um, very competitive prices with the current um, with the current packages you get from DSTV. So DSTV have got uh, their DSTV Compact Plus, which is priced at $3.99, which includes some of the sport, but not all, or the better one, the Compact at $5.29. So I expect to see Showmax Plus for those of you who want to stream and not interested in getting or want to get rid of their DSTV and still want to get some of the key sport, rugby, cricket, soccer, you name it. Um, it'll probably be between the 299 and 500 rand a month range, which considering, depending if you're a real soccer or football or rugby fan, a sports fan, it actually is pretty, pretty good value. And the resolution is good and it works extremely well on most smart TVs. So there you go. There's more and more options. You'll be able to stream more and more information and more and more stuff. And we are still eagerly awaiting the DSTV streaming only package, which may or may not be a lot cheaper than the current package. But there's no question that uh, that fiber connection we were talking about is becoming more and more useful and uh, more and more relevant every single day. Now, moving on, an interesting, another crazy interesting thing that happened in the last week is that, well, last week, it happened pretty much in the last few days. Twitter was hacked and at such a high level, that um, these hackers actually accessed their internal systems via some of their, their employees. How they did that, it's called spear phishing, very sophisticated. But anyway, they got into their internal systems and hijacked some of the platform's top, top tweeters, including the U.S. presidential candidate Joe Biden, Kim Kardashian, Barack Obama, and Elon Musk, to just name a few and use them to solicit and to tout uh, cryptocurrencies. And <laughs> imagine that your business is now being endorsed by a tweet from Barack Obama. It probably played absolute havoc. Um, Twitter have subsequently shut down the, the exploit, so I don't think it's going to have any more impact on anyone out there. But it is unbelievably concerning that a company as large as Twitter with security as 
as serious as Twitter was hacked in such an, an, an unbelievable way and in such a clever way because no matter what happens, number one, cryptocurrencies are very hard to manage and whatever was transferred or used into those cryptocurrencies won't and probably will never be found. But this malicious activity is pretty, pretty, pretty extreme. And in fact, it resulted in Twitter temporarily preventing all these verified accounts from publishing any messages whatsoever. So as they're going through it, they'll probably bring it back. But the scammers received over a hundred thousand US dollars of cryptocurrency. So a really, really important uh, hack. And obviously their share price fell, but many other high-profile accounts were affected. Kanye West, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, you name it. It is unbelievable how completely um, hacked the system was. So if you hear anything about it, I would say it's pretty safe to continue tweeting for those of you who do. But um, it just highlights again and again that we live in a world where you need to be extremely careful online. And if you have a Twitter account or any social media account, you need to keep your eye open. You need to monitor. You need to make sure that you know what's actually going on on that account. Just because you haven't used it for a week or two doesn't mean somebody may not have used it for a week or two. So generally, just check out your social media accounts fairly regularly. See that nothing's being sent in your name that you didn't approve. And as always, um, just be careful what you send because this stuff exists on the int- internet for absolutely ever and ever. The other big news of the week is that uh, the UK has banned Huawei equipment from their networks completely. And so no, f- no 5G will be available from Huawei in the UK and all equipment that is currently installed, either in the new 5G networks that have been rolled out or even some of the 4G networks, that have been out there. All equipment must be purged from their networks by 2027. Now, that's a long roadmap, and the simple reason is that, you know, it's an ecosystem. You cannot simply pull bits of gear out and replace it with other bits of gear. As much as the gear itself is somewhat compatible with each other across the infrastructure ecosystem, but it's simply not that easy. When you've got hundreds of towers up or thousands of towers up across the country, and some parts or most parts or or even portions of those towers are one company's equipment, you can't simply rip them out. However, it is a seriously big step in terms of what is going on globally around Huawei. The COVID-19 pandemic, the pressure that the USA has placed on countries and companies across the world has been nothing short of remarkable And for whatever reason, the whole Chinese versus America trade war and ideological war, which it seems to have really amounted to, has resulted in Huawei being the banner boy of the whole situation. There are many other manufacturers of equipment in China. And in fact, China, I was reading an article today about how China are rolling out tens of thousands of 5G um, networks, all state-sponsored, and this is where it gets really murky. The state is sponsoring a massive rollout over the next three years in the tune of $50 billion a year uh, for 5G technology to be rolled out across China, which will actually give China a massive edge in terms of penetration, in terms of how the next generation of, of industry works utilizing things like 5G. So 
it may just cement China as the manufacturer of 5G components globally, so which sort of undercuts the ideology of cutting 5G components or, or Huawei out of the networks, because most of the components that will go into the networks from other manufacturers may land up being manufactured in China anyway. So it's a mix, it's a really messy, mixed up area, um, and we'll have to just keep an eye on it and see what happens. Now we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe again right after this, and no recording this week, but I've got an announcement from Microsoft and Google and Microsoft go to head to head with Outlook Teams and Gmail. So stay tuned. Some interesting stuff coming up right now. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe segment, which it isn't because I don't have anyone that I'm talking to this week. I did try, but you know, COVID and all the rest, people are busy and who knows, couldn't get an, couldn't get uh, an interview with an interesting fella. But I've got a couple lined up, which should be really good in the next couple of weeks. But I do have a couple of things that really uh, I think are quite a big deal. Well, finally, finally, after much teasing, many years of promises from heads of Microsoft in South Africa, uh, and in some ways, I think not a bad thing entirely. Microsoft have finally launched their hardware product called Surface in South Africa. And it, it actually is a huge deal. The real reason I think that it, it was a little slow is that being a small market, I don't think Microsoft wanted to upset their other partners, the Dells, the HPs, the Asus, all those guys who have traditionally sold hardware, laptops, tablets into both the home and the commerce space. And it was probably a little complicated to think, well, one, all these products use Microsoft Windows as its operating system. Now, all of a sudden, along comes a competitor with the operating system as well as the hardware. But as as it's happened, as it's rolled out across the world, they have picked up a little bit of a niche. They have created an area where they've done I think extremely well with their hardware and it hasn't really impacted or affected their partners in any significant way. So finally, as of yesterday and from the end of July, you will be able to buy official Surface devices in South Africa. Now there are a lot of questions around that which I'm going to interview someone from Microsoft about regarding service support, distribution, etc, etc. But that there will be the initial launch will cover two products, the Surface Pro 7, which is the tablet, and the Surface Laptop 3. Now, both of these are brand new. They've just been launched globally, and both of them have been getting really, really, really good reviews as a major refinement on the other Surface Pros from, from previous generations and previous laptops. But the Surface Pro 7 is a complete um complete tablet which has absolutely everything you need. It runs a full version of Windows 10. So it's a full Windows 10 computer in a tablet form, but it does come with a really clever clip-on keyboard and a flip stand and a stylus, which are all optional extras. It's not going to be cheap. I'll tell you the pricing in, in a few minutes. But it's using the latest Intel uh, hardware, so the latest Intel processors, an amazing touchscreen Pencil, oh, pencil, careful now, that's an Apple thing, but uh, uh, stylus friendly. <laughs> it's amazing how things become generic in this world. But anyway, and they compete in price and in functionality with some of the Apple 
the Apple um, iPad Pros. So it is not an inexpensive thing, and the Surface Pro 7 will sell from 1799 So just under 18,000 Rand, and that is the entry-level one with I probably with probably 128 gig of of SSD, but you can get it up to one one terabyte of SSD. But again, that'll be a pro, probably a price optional extra, and we'll push the price well into the mid 25s. But it comes with the latest blue, blue Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth 5, um, a decent camera front and rear, all the necessary ports. It's got interestingly, unlike a lot of other competitors in the space, it has got USB A. That's the standard USB port. It also has USB-C, fantastic. It has a headphone jack, and it's got all the various. You've even got a micro SD thing. It should last up to 10 and a half hours on, on one charge. And I've played with the previous generation because lockdown, but um, I've played with the previous generation, and I must say that these are absolute computers in a slick, slim format and tablet should you need them to just you know sit on the couch and do whatever you want to do. The, the Surface Pro 3 is quite an interesting product. It, the Surface Pro laptops or the Surface laptops that Microsoft launched have always been a, a tremendous competitor. And for me, the, the highest end and probably the coolest um, Microsoft laptops out there that really take the fight to the MacBook Pros and the MacBook Airs was the Dell or is the Dell XPS range. They both have their pros and the cons and essentially those were, if you wanted the best in the Microsoft world, well, it was the Dell XPS. Well, the Surface Laptop 3 plays firmly in that space. It's built, it looks, and it feels, and I have played with one. Luckily, I was in Europe uh, earlier this year, and I was at, uh, got a chance to just touch and feel one. Um, they certainly do look the part. They're built with aluminium, but they've got that cool Microsoft soft touch Top panel by the keyboards. It's got a, the new versions have got a much bigger touchscreen, which a uh, much bigger trackpad and a touchscreen, which is quite interesting. I'm not a big fan of touchscreens on a computer because you get stickiness and and stuff on your screen. But once you get used to it, it really works extremely well with um, with Microsoft. And it's there are two versions: the 13 and a half inch and a 15 inch. Uh, which, which is its, and the form factors are very nice. Not like the older Dells, they like the new Dells and the new MacBook Pros. They've got a, um, a form factor that is pretty square and very easy to use. You can get up to 16 gig of RAM, up to one terabyte of SSD, and the, um, all the ports you need, including USB-A, which again is quite something on, on, on a modern, fresh laptop. If you don't need an adapter or a dongle, you can use it for whichever you want. And um, interestingly, the uh, the 15-inch comes with an AMD processor, so it should be pretty good for games and all sorts of other things. But around uh, about 11, 11 and a half hours worth of battery life and really high-resolution screens, very, very nice to use, I would imagine. And they said also that the lap, the Surface Laptop 3 is going to sell from 22,999, call it 23,000 Rand, which again is very competitive with the XPS and um, MacBook Pro and, well, MacBook Air pricing. And it is very competitive in its general functionality. There's one huge advantage with the Microsoft Surface product. Ultimately, you've got an operating system 
hardware and the BIOS and everything to do with this laptop all built and managed by Microsoft. So you don't, the updates all work seamlessly exactly the same way as it does on, on an Apple product. And I've actually experienced it. I would have bought a Surface Pro, a Surface product years ago if there was service support in this country, but they were always expensive and the third party importers would have to send it off to Europe or America or wherever they, they obtained the device to get service. Hopefully all of that's going to change dramatically you know, with the actual South African official launch. And I'm definitely going to try to get both a tablet and a laptop for review so that I can you know, come back to you guys and tell you where it is. But from my personal experience and from everything that's been written globally, the Surface range is a serious competitor within the, the uh, tablet and laptop space. And if you are looking both for your business or your home for a top-end um, seamlessly integrated laptop, then the Surface product is definitely worth something looking at it to look at. Apparently, it will be available from all retailers and all and and Tarsus are the the main distributor in South Africa to the wholesale market. But incredible connection. Uh, Dion's gone. I nearly said Dion Wired, but they no longer anymore. But your most most distributors of of PCs will probably get their hands on it and be able to sell it. And the pricing looks pretty competitive considering where the RAND is. So between 20, 23,000 and probably 32,000, depending on the memory, uh, depending on the size, the 15 inch being a lot more expensive than the 13 and a half, and depending on the, the RAM that you want. Um, so if you, as I said, the one major benefit is that all hardware and software updates happen through the, uh, the Microsoft Installer and it's seamless. I've tried it. It works amazingly well. You don't even notice the same way as you update your, your Windows 10 on any PC. It updates the hardware as well. And it, it really results in a pretty clean, seamless, easy operating setup. And you've always got the latest hardware and software, um, updates running through Microsoft. So good luck to them. I think it's a great thing that they've finally done it. I've also heard today that some of the Surface headphones, Surface earbuds, and a couple of other accessories, such as the stylus, which will work on the laptop and on the tablet, interestingly, um, the keyboards, everything will be available pretty much by the end of the month. So I'll give you some feedback. We'll get, we'll, when I interview the people from Microsoft, we'll get all the details on where you can service it, what the, the deal is, are there any specials, et cetera, et cetera. But you'll have to stay tuned or come back next week and speak and listen in during Tech Talk Cafe. Now, Microsoft and Google have also always been serious competitors um, in the in the office space or in the productivity space. And it really seems to have stepped up a lot with the with the advent of COVID, with the advent of work from home. And the simple fact is that I have no doubt that over the next couple of months, as this whole pandemic wanes, as the viruses uh, recede and as cures and, and whatever and all the rest take place, we should um, start getting back to work. And for most people, getting back to a proper work environment, you know, with your own office where it's professional, you're not sitting uh, in your dining room, killing your dining room chairs, which were never designed to be office chairs, or even your home office, which is a little restrictive, people will want to get back to work. And all these various video conferencing and other 
new things that have come out will become part of the new work mix, whether you do it from home, whether you do it from a coffee shop, whether you do it from your office. There's just no question that all these new platforms um, are going to become more and more relevant. And Microsoft Office and the now associated Teams app has become pretty much the corporate and personal de facto communication platform. Obviously, Zoom, uh, Meet, so many others have popped up and are still are doing exceptionally well. But for the most part, anyone who you, who's in business in South Africa, whether they use Mac, whether they use Microsoft, is using Microsoft Office. And Teams was just an add-on that seamlessly seamlessly connected to everything. But there was one challenge. You've got Outlook and you've got Teams. Outlook has always been incredibly the de facto mail mail sort of management product with everything built in. So you had you had your calendar, you had your contacts, you had absolutely everything built into Outlook, unlike some other products, certainly Google as well, using their Gmail setup, you could integrate it into into Outlook in some ways. But more and more you were having a problem with too many apps floating around. And Google said have just announced that all their Gmail customers, their corporate customers, will now have far greater integration, very much like Outlook. You'll be able to edit documents, make video calls, do chats, do everything within the Gmail app, pretty much like what you've done with um, Outlook up to now. Um, and it makes a huge difference to the number of screens you could open on your computer and the integration and keeping it all hooked up together. So just like Teams, where you can send files, open files, deal with files, you'll be able to do that in Outlook as well. Well, not you could do it in Outlook to some extent, but there were still two screens going on. What Google are doing is trying to get all of that into one simple interface. Now, the Teams app that they've got is very competitive with with um, well, the Meet app is very compatible with Teams. You see, I'm even using them and getting a little bit confused with all the various things. But the Meet app will again be, um, and it's M-E-E-T, not the type that you have barbecues and brides with, but the Meet app has now been fully integrated into um, Gmail. So you can start a meet meeting, you can send all sorts of interesting um connections and, and files and all sorts of things through Meet, which is part of Gmail, and very much in the same ways you could do with Microsoft and Teams, but now it's all in one interface. So the two of them are very competitive, and it depends which way you go. But again, I think that in South Africa, most people tend to stick with the Microsoft uh, Office and Office 365, or now they call it Microsoft 365 setup, and it's become a little bit the de facto way of communicating. But I have been using um, Gmail and professional Gmail, using the Teams, using the integration with Docs and all the various other parts. And for, I think, most people, there's more than enough functionality there. And the one huge benefit of using uh, Google and Gmail is that everything happens in the browser. There are no apps. There's nothing. The browser is your interface to the world. It works seamlessly across any product that has a browser, both mobile and fixed. And it's a lot less appy than the, the Microsoft ecosystem. But that's for you to choose. The good news is that I love this type of competition because as Google push forward their whole Gmail setup and make it more and more integrated and more and more user-friendly, Microsoft 
have to do more and more and more. And they are bringing massive amount of functionality between Office 365 or the Microsoft 365 productivity product and Teams. You're getting far more integration. You can make an, you can do appointments for Teams or create setups in Outlook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So more and more, we're getting a seamlessly integrated setup across whatever platform you choose with very, very similar functionality. There are pros and cons for both, so have a look at them. There's also price considerations for both, which, which with with Google being a lot cheaper because you might pay for professional Gmail, but then you get all the docs and everything else and, and meat and all that thrown in for pretty much free. Where Office, with Microsoft, you have to buy a full Office suite, which tends to get a little bit more expensive. So watch the space, but whichever platform we're on, I can assure you you're going to see far more integration across the various apps and the various elements, so your calendar, your your meetings, your video calls are going to get more and more integrated, and that makes a lot of sense. You don't need 13 apps just to make a video call or to get an appointment or check your your mail. So great stuff. I'm pleased that the two of them are at it, and I expect to see a lot more interesting functionality going forward thereafter. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'm going to be back with probably one of the most, uh, I'll use the word, upsetting hardware products I've played with for a long time. It's called the Huawei P40 Pro. I've had it now for two weeks. I've been uh, using it, and I've been experimenting with it, and I'll bring you all the details for you Huawei fans out there. And uh, we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and... As I said, one of the most challenging reviews that I've done for many years is the new Huawei P40 Pro. Now, it is just a beautiful creation. It is without question one of the nicest hardware, one of the nicest smartphones that I've played with for many, many, many reasons. But I'll get into that in a few minutes. But there has been a relentless advertising campaign, marketing campaign, both from the networks and Huawei, Across every platform, if you're on social, it pops up. If you're on TV, it pops up. If it's in the press, it pops up. And a lot of the technology, they've done a very clever thing to target. A lot of the technology um, websites, so if you follow my broadband or any of the technology websites, you're going to see a ton of things like uh, basically promoted promoted posts called why the Huawei P40 Pro should be your next smartphone. And objectively, I think... They have no choice. They have to do this. They're a business. They've got some great product. They need to sell them. And up until May or even up until the end of 2019, they were doing really well. They'd risen to be number two behind Samsung globally in smartphone sales. They'd risen in South Africa from complete obscurity where you had to teach people. They had a campaign to teach people how to say Huawei. Who are we? You know, just create some awareness around the brand. And they had done an amazing job. Like them, don't like them. The simple fact is they were offering unbelievably good quality hardware at competitive prices, and they were absolutely pushing the envelope. The P30 Pro was a great seller. It was definitely one of the top hot, uh, smartphones of 2019. And even today, it's an extremely competitive smartphone and probably the best buy in the, the Huawei Platform because the price has dropped significantly, but its functionality, quality, and everything else has not dropped. And it has one thing, 
that the P40 Pro does not have, and that it still has Google on on the device. You can download anything you want from the Google App Store, and full good Google services exist on the P30 Pro, which they don't on the P40. But first, let me just touch on the hardware. The P40 Pro is an incredibly well-built de- de- device. It's got a 6.58-inch OLED Samsung manufactured screen, which is far superior to the P30. And the screen curves in all four sides. That's so curves the top, bottom, left, and right. And what they've done with the aluminium frame is they've actually added like little bumps on the corners. And in fact, I dropped mine on, on the corner and it didn't shatter. It just got a little mark. So it really works well to protect the screen. It also features a 90 hertz screen. The Samsungs have got 120 hertz screens, which hit battery life a little, but on the, on the Huawei, you don't even notice. It's just a fast screen. The normal screens refresh at around about 60 hertz. A 90 hertz screen is obviously 50% better, and you can feel it when you scroll through the screens, when you open an app, when you scroll through your emails, whatever you do, um, it really is pretty slick, pretty fast, and, and nice and smooth. The big deal, with Huawei, and they've been doing that for a couple of years lately, is their cameras. The camera setup is produced with Leica, who are definitely one of the better camera manufacturers globally. And again, they've knocked it out of the park. The camera setup is pretty much kit cutting edge. There is obviously um, the it's it's a one to 1.28 inch. 50 megapixel main sensor. And what is so clever about that? They've done some incredible work in the back end using something called pixel binning and all sorts of things to give incredibly high resolution pictures with one of the biggest sensors and with the highest resolution on the market. It also has a 12 megapixel telephoto center sensor with a folded construction. In other words, they build this fabulous little thing under the screen, which does all sorts of... Um, Tricks to give you massive uh, optical and uh, electronic zoom up to 50 times, and it is pretty, pretty good. There's also a 40 megapixel ultra-wide camera and a 3D time-of-flight sensor, which gives you those bokeh or or sort of very interesting sort of professional-looking blurred background shots. And for the most part, it is probably one of the better camera setups, in some, especially in low-light and in certain other areas, it is one of the best camera setups that I've used. Its use of AI and all the other technical trickery, the so-called computer software um, enhancements, work extremely well to make it fast, simple, quick, easy to use with unbelievable quality pictures from zoom to night pictures. So you wander into a dark room where you can hardly see anything with a naked eye. And the camera actually pulls detail in information and gives you a very, very, very good picture. It's a great way to do night vision. So the camera is without question one of the best on the market. It's super competitive with the Samsungs. It's very competitive with the Apple cameras, better at low light in some cases and better at zoom in most cases. So the camera as a camera phone, the Huawei P40 Pro is just outstanding. It's not a huge improvement on the P30 Pro, but it is fractionally better in some some areas. It also includes the latest uh, Kirin 990 processor, so it's incredibly fast. It's got Wi-Fi 6. It comes standard with 5G capability, and from my discussions with the networks, both MTN and Vodacom, the, its compatibility across all bands is far better than any other product on the market right now. So if 5G is your thing, and you're going to switch between MTN and Vodacom, 
the P40 Pro definitely has all the various bands and the capability of working seamlessly across all those networks right from the get-go. Whereas the LG devices, some of them have become more compatible with software updates, but essentially they're not quite in the same league as the the Huawei P40 Pro. Now here's where it gets super interesting and I'm going to wrap this up really quickly because we are running out of time. The P40 Pro, due to the trade war with uh, with um, the USA, being on the band list, cannot and does not have Google services built in. It runs Android 10 because that's open source and it can do so. They overlay it with the EMUI, which is their interface, which is very similar to all other Huawei's out there. So it looks and feels and, and acts pretty much like any other Android phone with one huge bug in the ointment. There are no Google services. You cannot download any Google app. You cannot, you cannot log into um, your Google services. They do not exist. They've replaced it with what they call Huawei Mobile Services, HMS, which has done remarkably in the time allowed a pretty good job of giving you the top 10, top 15, top 20, even maybe the top 50 apps that you would use. So Waze works. Um, Facebook works. Tons and tons of apps that you would use on a normal day-to-day. Twitter works. Um, you know, d- depends so I've got certain MTN apps, most of the banking apps work, a ton of apps do work, they have been optimized for, for uh, Huawei management services, and you can download other stores like APK, APK Pure or the Amazon App Store and get a whole lot of apps that way. Most Microsoft apps also work quite well on the, the Huawei. The problem really is, is that once you've moved out of the micro, uh, out of the Android ecosystem or the Apple ecosystem, which plays pretty well with 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 um, with Google as well, you are now in a completely separate environment, and this is where it gets really crazy. So, for example, if you transfer everything from your current device, including an iOS device, onto your new P40 Pro, all your contacts, everything will be there. The hassle will be. What happens when you put a brand new phone number into your P40 Pro? It will no longer sync across your other devices, your your tablet, your laptop, and all the other elements that you use. You're now firmly outside of the business ecosystem and the business flow or your social flow that you've done. So while you can get all the critical apps via the Huawei App Gallery, you have to accept that moving to the P40 Pro puts you firmly into the the Huawei ecosystem and completely and utterly outside of any other ecosystem that exists. What I found between 60 and 80% of my travel, fitness, utility apps, little apps that I use for business. Um, in fact, FNB does not work on it. So you cannot do FNB banking on a Huawei phone for now. They say they're working on it and hopefully it comes really soon. But all of the stuff that you take completely for granted. So putting a number on the P40 doesn't update all my other devices. And this is so taken for granted for most people that don't even realize it doesn't work until you pick up your tablet, you try to find some information, and it's just simply not there. Um, if you try to restore your WhatsApp without using phone clone from Google Drive, it does not work. So all your background on WhatsApp does not come across. Um, and Again, phone clone did help, but it wasn't entirely successful across everything. One other killer thing from a business point of view for me 
is though OneDrive did work and some of my uh, office and some of my personal information is on OneDrive, Dropbox does not work on the P4D Pro and many video conferencing solutions also don't work. Um, so you can't, Teams did work, but it was flaky. Um, I got, uh, I got um, a couple of the others to work again, a little bit strange. So simply put, unfortunately, right now, the P40 Pro completely broke my work setup and couldn't let me operate the way I've been doing for years. Stuff that I've taken totally for granted. I've been permanently removed from my mainstream computing platforms and technologies. And these have all become inseparable parts of our business and personal lives. If none of that is a problem for you, then, and you want the best uh, camera phone, one of the fastest, smoothest, slickest products on the market in terms of how it operates, the way it downloads apps, installs apps, is just blindingly fast. It's, it's, it's capabilities on on mobile networks, faster speeds I've ever seen on mobile networks, and certainly even on the new 5G network from MTNSA, up to 500 megabits per second on the Huawei, between two and 300 on the LG. So really, from a technical point of view, this phone is an absolute tour de force. It's got absolutely everything you need. But the way it works, the way it operates within the context of the ecosystems that you, I, and pretty much everybody, Google and whatever that you become involved in, it is a real, real, real challenge. If none of that makes a difference to you, then I would highly recommend the P40 Pro. If any of that ecosystem issue is a problem for you, then avoid the P40 Pro completely because at its price, the Samsung S20 range, the Apple's, certainly do as good a job, or mostly as good a job in the hardware side, not that you'd notice for most part, and are completely integrated. Some I'm playing with some of the new LG 5G phones, seamlessly integrate, work perfectly well across everything that we can imagine, and it's just a huge, huge pity because never have I been so conflicted about a device. I would love to use the P40 Pro as my main phone. It's just an Android killer. It's brilliant. But with with all the, the restrictions in terms of what I can do and how I can use it, it becomes a, a really slick uh, camera phone with the ability to do a little bit of social media and nothing much else. So on that note, I'm afraid we have to bro- break for our sponsors quickly, and then I will wrap the show up thereafter. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up now. I've been told that the time is nigh. Um, I forgot to mention the P40 Pro re- retails for around about 20,000 Rand, and Huawei will throw in a whole lot of gadgets and gizmos as part of some great headphones and some other bits and pieces. But again, just remember my warning. No Google, bit of a problem. And on that note, we have to leave it till next week, same place, same time on High FM. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.